Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This is the Lions Lair Post Show, live from the Innovation Factory at McMaster Innovation Park. Rick Samprin with you. Lots more to come on the show. We'll have our top three finalists from last night's Lions Lair Gala at Carmen's Banquet Center. We're going to have the MC of last night's event join us in about, oh, half an hour's time, as well as the executive director of the Innovation Factory as well. Before we get to all of that, number uh, a couple of other guests with us here on location at McMaster Innovation Factory. Jamie Harsfort is the C. CEO of Launch Adventures, and we have Julie Ellis, speaker, author, leadership coach, and investor lion. Jamie, Julie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good, thank you. Excellent. Good morning. Jamie, we'll start with you. Um, last night, Carmen's Banquet Center, there's 16 finalists. Pitches are happening. Uh, it sounds like an exciting night. It really was. It was It was just fantastic to see the entrepreneurship and also the support from the Hamilton community around it. Um, I personally really enjoyed the show. I Mm -hmm. thought all eight presentations were fantastic, and it was a really tough competition to even decide who the winner would be. I'd imagine on a night like that, and, uh, you know, you, you, you see one pitch, and then you see the next one, and you're thinking, wow, that one's better than the last, and, and then the next one comes, oh, this one's even better than that. How difficult is it to, in your mind, you know, kind of rank them as they're going as they're going, making their pitches? For me, it, w- it was difficult, maybe a little bit more difficult than it was for Julie and the other Lions, uh, <laughs> in particular because I was I was a replacement Lion. So I, I came in and <laughs> agreed to do this only a few days ago. Yeah. And so I did not get to um, you know participate in the first round, which was a two-day session where the other Lions uh, heard the pitches. So mm-hmm. I did watch the uh, videos that came out of those sessions and, and read all of, the, all of the work. But this was the first time interacting with each of the mm-hmm. uh, people in real time. And so it, it was a lot of information. Uh, there are only two-minute segments that people get to present us with information, but it's a wealth of information that comes at yeah. us. And so I just absorbed it all took as many notes as i could and uh but by the end of it we had a pretty clear picture of you know what the the top three finalists would be mm-hmm. julie you are, are an investor alliance so give us a scope of what that entails oh, well i think it was really listening with the ear around you know are the companies going to be investable are the, what's it going to be like for them as they go out and try to raise money get loans um, and secure financing for their business mm-hmm. in whatever path that looks like for them. And so, you know, I think one of the things that's most interesting about Lion's Lair is the breadth and c- of the companies that come into this competition. You know, breadth of what they do, why they were founded, what stage they are at. It makes our job as judges a lot harder, for <laughs> sure, yeah. trying to, because it's like apples and oranges all the time. Right. But the, you know, that variety is just so exciting to see what's coming up and what people are dreaming up and what needs they see in the world that causes them to start those businesses. Mm-hmm. So as an investor line, you're really looking at the potential of a certain pitch, whether they're near the end stage or really launching off the ground. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've had some conversations with a few of them in the, you know, between the recorded pitches and the live ones. And and that's one of the questions they're all facing is, you know, what path to financing do they need to get on to grow the business and establish themselves? Mm -hmm. Is there, uh, in terms of uh, benchmarks that you want to hit along the way when you have a startup or, you know, even an idea, are there certain things you want to hit in when it comes to an investment opportunity? 
Or is the timing kind of different for all? It's a little bit different for all, but one of the things is, with the exception of a few sectors, you really want to see that the company is revenue positive. Right. So they've actually launched, they're in the market, they're showing some traction, and they're on their way, so to speak. And that means that the founders will have a higher valuation, and they will give away less equity in that first round of financing. Because it's also really strategic for them on their side, because the more rounds of financing they need, the more their holding will in the company will be diluted and being really strategic about how you go about that from the beginning is important for an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie when it comes to that investment game um, obviously you know these uh, lines finalists are making their pitches but even if they're not in this kind of concept if they're you know innovators outside of this uh, space uh, from an investment standpoint do they know what they need when it comes to uh, launching a product or a service some of them do, uh, and some of them are, you know, particularly when they're pre-revenue, some of them, you know, can be a little bit naive about that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm looking at young entrepreneurs or, or fairly new entrepreneurs, uh, I always talk about, you know, three things that you need to be able to get a business off the ground. Uh, you need to be solving a real problem or an opportunity. Uh, there needs to be a customer willing to pay for that, and you need to know who that customer is. And you have to have the right team that's able to, you know, stick through it and execute it because it is a hard process to get through. From the ventures that we saw last night and, you know, from the limited exposure I had to them, I I think several of them were well on the way to hit those criteria. And that's really important. And and for them to be going on to um, events like Lion's Lair gives them a lot of feedback, but it also, for the prize winners, gives them non-dilutive money and that's really important as Mm -hmm. julie said you know you have to be very strategic but when you go for investment uh, getting this type of money early on uh, enables them to build that product get it into market and then they'll have a great case to go and get investment that'll be more on their terms of those three criteria is there usually one where they just don't hit or at least most don't hit yeah it's usually the market research and knowing exactly who your customer is and what right. your price point is going to be that's i think the hardest for any entrepreneur to really get their head around and really get that validation necessary to be able to launch a business mm-hmm. this is the lion's lair post show we are live at uh, innovation factory at mcmaster innovation park on 900 chml my name is rick samprin uh, jamie harsford is the ceo of launch adventures and julie ellis is a speaker author leadership coach at investor lion the long game of investing, Julie. Um, you know, we, you, you launch a product, you want those investors to stick around for a while. You don't want an invis- initial investment and then, you know, they, they go by the wayside. How do you retain those investors for the long term? Once we're in, it's hard to get rid of us. <laughs> um, and often, I mean, often the company needs another event, be it a funding event or a sale or a, you know, a merger with somebody or something like that in order for the original investors to get their money out. Right. Um, sometimes if you get up to a series A, B, C, you, they'll take out the early investors as part of that when you get into bigger venture capital. Um, but it is a long game for angel investors mm-hmm. in particular, um, averaging, you know, 12 or 14 years in really? some cases. In Canada, the timeline is a lot longer for exit for angels than it is in the U.S. Hmm. And so, you know, the beauty of angels is really they're willing to roll up their sleeves and put their expertise into a business. It's got to be cutthroat too as well in terms of because this is your money that you're investing, mm-hmm. right? Yep, it is. It is. And it is one of the issues because the longer it takes us to get our money back, 
the the longer it will be before we can invest in another company, right? right? So so there's a cycling um, issue about money, and I think that working on shorter time horizons for exits and those kinds of things is something that all the angel groups across Canada are looking at and facing in mm-hmm. terms of you know how we can improve that cycle because then we have more money to put into startup companies and emerging companies. Yeah. We've heard the term angel groups uh, a couple of times. You just mm-hmm. mentioned it twice. What, what exactly is it? So I'm a member uh, and on the board of a group called Angel One. We're in Halton okay. and we have about 40 members um, and they are all people who meet a criteria set out by the Ontario Securities Commission that we're qualified investors and we have deal flow that we coordinate and we invest in deals together. And we are a member of a group called Equation Angels, which encompasses four angel groups in Southwest Ontario. So we have over, you know, over 120 check writing members who are trying to fill rounds, make deals happen faster and basically help these entrepreneurs because raising money is wildly distracting from actually growing and getting your sales going and all the things about the business Mm -hmm. and so you know raising enough money to not have to go back into that distracting cycle too quickly and getting yourself off the ground is really important for entrepreneurs it's a huge win-win-win as well because you're winning the company's winning if they're successful and you and you are too the the economy as a whole is winning as well absolutely and and small businesses are where the job creation comes from you know in aggregate yes a big company can create a hundred roles but but those small companies that are creating four roles and two roles and eight roles that that is really an end in our economy. I'm going to ask you both this question, Jamie, we'll start with you. When it comes to investing, how much of a gut feeling do you have to have? Or is it just about the financials and the plan? No, a gut feeling goes a long ways. I think every investor has their own specialties that they really want to look at. And so when you get groups like Angel One and the equestrian investors, and even, you know, I'd be more of of a private investor myself, we all have the areas that we'll focus in on. Oftentimes, someone will come to me and the only thing I'll do is pass them on to somebody that I think would be more interested in mm-hmm. the particular problem space that they're working on. Uh, for myself, it's really healthcare technology. If it's not healthcare technology, I'm probably referring them on uh, to somebody else, and that can even be through the innovation factory here in Hamilton to you know, provide some uh, further introductions. But we like to invest in things that we know, that we understand, uh, so that we can you know, not just understand the, the business model behind it well, but then we can actually offer help and guidance to the entrepreneurs that we're investing in, which mm-hmm. is really important when you're early stage. Gut feeling for you, Julie, is that a huge part of this? I think when you're investing in a startup, you can do all the research and due diligence you want, but that gut has to come into it because you're actually investing in the entrepreneur. Yeah. And you should do the due diligence. I'm not discounting it. It is an important step, but ultimately you've got to you got to believe in the person you're putting the money behind as well. Have there been many cases where you don't have that gut feeling, but you think, yeah, this could work. It's just not for me. I'm going to pass this person on to someone else. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And there's the fine line as well of if you're going to invest in a lot of companies, you want to also diversify the portfolio. So you also don't want to end up too far in one lane. Right. So I think it's a little bit of an art balancing it all. Yeah. Jamie, healthcare, what drove you to that field? Well, it wasn't intentional. I, I started <laughs> uh, with a software development company that I founded 15 years ago uh, called Wability Solutions. And uh, being in the Hamilton area, a lot of my early customers were in the healthcare space. I, I started doing some development work for a medical education company, uh, for companies that were in the clinical trial and research spaces. 
And over time, I just really grew to enjoy and, and found that work very meaningful. And more and more of my business started to gravitate towards that. And, and now we've got a group of companies, uh, all of which are now healthcare focused. And it, it just became something that's a, a passion of mine. And when you can combine your, your business with passion, then that's when you're going to achieve success. Some of our listeners might be thinking, wow, that's really pigeonholing yourself into one sector. But that's a huge sector, mm. right? It is. And, you know, before I pigeon my whole, pigeonholed <laughs> myself in, into that sector, I was more of a jack of all trades. And that's not right. a recipe for success. Why is that? It's really hard to market yourself and, and to build up a brand and a narrative around who you are hmm. when you can do anything for anybody. So, you know, when I was early on in a software development company, uh, you know, saying I can develop any software for any person is a really poor sales pitch that's not going to resonate with anybody. Right. Now we can talk, you know, with deep expertise to the space that we want to focus in on. And that's how, you know, we can achieve much bigger, deeper success. Yeah. Julie, does that speak to you? It does. It does. And I see, you know, a lot of people that have products and e-commerce businesses find me because of my background with Mabel's Labels. Um, and so, you know, I see those kinds of businesses. Um, I've also invested in some that are a little more like on the media company side or doing things that measure, you know, footfall in retail stores or those kinds of things. So so it's a little, you know, broad in terms of sectors, but, but none of the sectors are as wide as doing something like healthcare. Right. Is there a, a burgeoning sector that, you know, innovators, entrepreneurs should be focusing on in this province? Well, I think the reinvention of healthcare is a really big one. I do. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of problems and there's a lot of people. What I think is inter going to be interesting is there's a lot of small companies bubbling up with solutions mm. and it will be interesting to see where consolidation can happen to create bigger swaths of change. Right. Uh, Jamie, we're seeing a lot of, we're probably on the doorstep of some unique change in the healthcare industry. Are you hearing of things that are coming down the pipe, some ideas that are being shared or, or processes that are being developed? Yeah, I think the last couple of years have just underscored just how broken a lot of, of the healthcare system is, um, which doesn't mean that, um, you know, it's not working. It's working. It can just work a lot better. Right. And that's brought out a whole lot of opportunities. Certainly the concept of virtual care, um, we need to have a lot more information sharing between different providers. Mm. Uh, we need better education systems to keep everybody up to date. And of course, we need systems that actually retain doctors and nurses to stay in the system uh, because right now you're seeing a lot of burnout. Yeah. So all of those things need to be addressed. And there's a lot of people with really innovative ideas on how to tackle all of those problems. And it'll be really interesting over the next few years to see which which ones rise to the top and really succeed. Mm -hmm. This is the Lion's Lair Post Show, live from the Innovation Factory at McMaster Innovation Park. Rick Samprin with you, and you're listening to 900 CHML, our two guests on site. Julie Ellis is a speaker, author, leadership coach, and investor lion. And Jamie Harsford is the CEO of Launch It Ventures. Julie, this question uh, probably has been asked by a number of people. During the pandemic, has the investment game changed to what it was before the pandemic? I think through the pandemic, there was actually some strengthening within the angel investments that I was seeing um, and different opportunities were coming for entrepreneurs during that time. I think there's been a little tightening in the last sort of six to nine months mm -hmm. as we've gotten into 2022 and the economic indicators aren't quite as favorable. Right. Um, so I think it's it more important than ever for entrepreneurs to really be prepared to tell their story and make their pitch really good and really thorough um, because 
it's the ones that are the most compelling and can support that compelling story with their data and information that are going to see going to end up getting the funding right jamie have you seen the same thing in, in your sector yeah definitely the last six months have been um, tougher from an investment perspective than anything that we've seen in 2020 and 2021 is that more so because we're hearing about recession or is that inflation or is it a combination of, of the two yeah, it's because we're hearing about recession. Yeah. Once people start hearing that, people that are investing, they want to save their cash now for the companies that they're already invested in. Mm-hmm. So for early stage young startups that are looking for their first investment, those are the people that are really finding it very tough right now to, to find investors willing to, to add to their portfolios. So what would be your advice to those young investors who are in this situation now? The last six months have been, okay, no one's coming to our, our Zoom meetings or our conferences. We're not getting the same level of interest. What would be your advice to them? Well, historically, the markets always rebound, and they generally rebound very fast. Uh, we don't know when that'll be, and that's anybody's guessing game is as good as anybody else's. But my advice would be to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, go out there. Now is a great time to be doing networking. If people aren't busy signing deals, they've got all the time in the world to be listening to uh, people's pitches and to be gathering that information. And when the markets do reopen, you know, the people that are doing that legwork right now are going to be top of the list for the investors to jump on. Julie, same thing. Advice for those entrepreneurs who are kind of, you know, uh, getting more stop signs than green lights these days. I think it's buckling down and bootstrapping where they can and, you know, growing the business as far as they can, um, as well as I think that networking tip is a great idea. I mean, I think you can never, you know, hurt yourself. And it isn't just going out networking and meeting somebody once. Then it's the, hey, here's another quarter's gone by. Here's how the business is growing. Here's Mm -hmm. what's happened for us. Like staying in touch with people, creating that you know, ongoing kind of communication so that when opportunity comes, you're top of mind for for those investors. How much more difficult would it be for entrepreneurs if they didn't have a place like this, Innovation Factory, to collaborate, share ideas, network with people? I think places like this are so important because when you're in that bubble of trying to build a business, you can't Google all the answers. <laughs> and, you know, having people you can sounding use as sounding boards and rely on for information and advice is super important. And I think the quality of the mentors that places like Innovation Factory bring to the table for those startup entrepreneurs is really fantastic. Jamie, same question. It, w- without a place like this, it would probably be a lot tougher to launch a business in this community. It would probably take you a little bit longer to do so. Yeah, certainly. And I experienced that, you know, 15 years ago when I started my first business. I'm, you know, sometimes I feel jealous of uh, what the young <laughs> entrepreneurs have now. Yeah. Uh, this is a great system to have the Innovation Factory and, um, you know, even within the city of Hamilton, the amount of support that there is for f- small business now compared to what it used to be is fantastic. And this is how we grow an economy. We, we support small business, we support young entrepreneurs, and we help them turn themselves into success and, and stay within the Hamilton area. Absolutely. Julie, Jamie, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next year, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you very you. much. That is Julie Ellis, speaker, author, leadership coach, and investor lion, and Jamie Harsford, the CEO of Launch It Ventures. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Here to give us a recap of how it all went down, David Carter, the executive director of Innovation Factory, and Connie Smith, who was the MC of the Lion Slayer Gala last night. David, Connie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Um, maybe, David, we'll start with you. It's it's the culmination of a, a phenomenal program that brings so many innovators, thinkers, collaborators, entrepreneurs together. How did it go last night? What kind of buzz did you get out of it? Man, it was great. First of all, it was great to have that many people in a room again because we haven't done <laughs> yeah. that in a while. I think people were anxious to do some face-to-face networking. You know, for our participants, uh, they've gone through six months of training, so it was their sort of culminating session. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just a big celebration for the, just the entire room. And, you know, Connie lit it up with her, her style. It was just so exciting. I'm still basking in the glow <laughs> of really, really in-person mm-hmm. networking and seeing all those wonderful faces, the excitement of everyone in the room, and the fact that everyone voted, you know, for the um, social choice. media yeah. and the people's choice. And I, I think I said, if, if everyone votes like this for the election, we'll be in good <laughs> shape. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, I doubt it. But we can still hope, Rick. Yes. But, no, it was very exciting. I was just blown away by the visionaries in that room, both both past, past winners and um, the finalists last night. Mm-hmm. I like how how they come up with these ideas. I was talking yeah. to Dave about that. It it just blows me away. And I admire their ingenuity, their vision, and their, their guts, you know, going for it. And, of course, Innovation Factory has made all of this happen. I remember when it started. <laughs> yeah. And when you think Hamilton is a hub now, our inventiveness, our technology, aren't we the most connected city or one of the most connected cities in the world hmm. now? And it's because of the innovation... And I got to just shout out to the Lions. They are mentors. I mean, they have big jobs of their own doing yeah. what they do. But to be such mentors to these upstarts, and um, I was going to say all young people, but people of all yep. ages yep. That, that were entered last night um, that we, we met, David. And um, it's just such a wonderful coming together. It's a good news story. Absolutely. You mentioned line. Hamilton being a hub, and I want to ask you this, because you've been in this community for, for many years, and you've seen uh, the transformation of this community. What comes to mind? What words come to mind when you think of Hamilton now compared to 20, 30 years ago? Wow. Vibrant. Yeah. We talked about that uh, the word vibrant was used a lot last night. Um, cutting edge, forefront, bright, sunny. I, I covered local news at a time when companies were shutting down and steel companies were going on strike and <laughs> laying off people and buildings were boarded up. You couldn't see a crane anywhere in the skyline. And now you lose count of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is innovation at its best. And we've got a reputation now. We're not the lunch bucket. We were the lunch bucket, and and people were proud of that, and rightly so, but we've diversified. Well, just look at where we are right now. We are literally in the parking garage of what used to be Westinghouse. Yes, Mm -hmm. of course. Which is now the center of all life science innovation happening pretty much in Canada. So McMaster Innovation Park, what it is today and what even the plan is for the next 20 years is literally ground zero of where we are right now. And if you go back in, you know, 25 years, someone was parking a maintenance vehicle here for heavy <laughs> for heavy manufacturing yeah right that's like, such an amazing visual that that that's the transformation yeah. in a nutshell right there absolutely and people walk by i've done presentations here where people are telling me about the old days and i remember one investor saying i actually used to work in a factory where they made appliances and i said oh that was this building and he looked around and he was like no what do you mean and i said well they you know they cut the center of it out it's got a nice atrium now right. and and he's sort of like someone just refocused <laughs> And I watch a man's mind melt right there. And he took like, you know, 10 steps over to this steel beam. He's like, 
this is where I put oven front doors on. Wow. And, and to, to me, and, and we've kept a lot of that legacy in our advanced manufacturing too. And you look at what, you know, ArcelorMittal DeFasco is doing with changing how steel is actually made. Yeah. So that's still a big part of our legacy and there's lots of innovation there. And it's this birthplace of all these new great innovations and some of the stuff we saw last mm-hmm. night. What was the biggest takeaway, apart from people coming together last night, what was your biggest takeaway when you're listening to the pitches and you're seeing the interactions? You know, I mean, it always reminds me how important networking is. Uh, I was really reminded how long this takes because now, you know, we intended to do this huge celebration for our 10th anniversary. little pandemic got in the way. Mm-hmm. So last night was the first night we sort of went, let's look back on 12 years on these companies that the next year you said, how are they doing? And they were like, well, they hired a couple more people and it's not a big deal. Now 12 years have passed. And we had this list. I was trying to speak as quickly as possible to talk about all the success that's happened in that 12 years and how this, you know, two-person shop is now an employer in Hamilton that has, you know, a couple dozen people. And if you look at the fact that we've done this for 12 years and we've put, let's say, an average of 10 to 16 through, it's not hard to go back and look at these companies in just, just a decade, and some of them will take even longer, and what success we've had out of that. So you've got to be a little bit patient. But if you know if you can wait a little bit and look back, now we can point to these companies, and they were all great leaders. They loved being featured in our montage video of you know Weaver Apps and Refishment and those companies that mm-hmm. have been around for a while and contributed back to Innovation Factory. So it was just just great. When you started this all those years ago, did you think it was going to be this integral, this important, this impactful in the community? Well, I didn't start it. I came on year three. And to be honest, I was that typical outsider, even though technically I lived in Hamilton. It was like, oh, Hamilton, you want to be innovative. That's adorable, <laughs> right? And and honestly, I thought, well, it's nice that you're, you know, you're doing this. But I've seen where this has happened. And, you know, my own company had been funded out of Boston Venture Capital. So I, I didn't. I didn't think it would come. And to be honest, I probably had that short-sightedness, too, of like, what can we do in a year and what can we do in two years? Mm-hmm. Last night, I had investors coming out to me saying, You've got to make these companies more visible to us. We didn't know about this company and that company. And, you know, shame on you, Dave, for not being more vocal <laughs> about this, which is the best answer in my world, sure, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, David Carter, Executive Director of the Innovation Factory. Connie Smith, who is the MC of last night's Lions Lair Gala with us, it is the Lions Lair Post Show, live from the Innovation Factory at McMaster Innovation Park on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Connie, just before we got on the air, you were talking about how you were blown away by so many of the presenters, their passion, their communication skills, their pitch skills. Absolutely. Um, I was uh, the lioness in the very first year, one of the judges, and that's when Weaver uh, won. Mm -hmm. And um, when I fast forward to last night, there was such exuberance in the sense that we were together again. Because what I've seen, and I talked to David about this a few moments ago, the downside of the digital world is that we're alone together a lot. And we're not used to interacting in each other's face and reading body language and seeing how the tone of voice affects the message that someone's giving. So last night I was so tuned in to these pictures as they presented and, and wondering what they were thinking and how they were getting over the nervousness and what a challenge that was. And the connections, the human connection is what I saw with the winners especially. They really tapped into that human connection. Mm the healthcare and and just the desire for joy with with board ball and very strong emotional connections. We like to think we're very emotional or or cerebral beings. Sure. We make everything based on mm-hmm. facts. But 
but we react emotionally and the engagement and by putting their little cages in the middle of the audience it was wonderful because we were all part of it together mm. and you really felt that that human connection which I, I work with my students on overcoming shyness and lack of confidence which is I think a very major challenge for entrepreneurs today yeah. because of the digital world but digital world is wonderful <laughs> we know that but it's one of these things that Marshall McLuhan said a long time ago we build our tools but the tools then build us so mm -hmm. we got to learn how to control the tools mm -hmm. and I think that's what this innovation factory initiative is is all about but human confidence and building that confidence is is a real important facet of building strong um, entrepreneurs today I believe yeah and for those people that weren't there live. We threw them to the lion. So what Connie's describing is we had two podiums in the middle of you know almost 400 people having dinner. It was like rings. They had to stand up and they're little. It was like a cage match. We sort of <laughs> joked. But you know we do. We want to build that confidence. Um, we want them to have to look a lot of people in the eye while they're doing their pitch. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know win their supper. That submersive experience um, will, uh, as pr we probably saw last night, bring a lot of people out of their shell because this is their livelihood. They put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and money into these things. Did you expect to see what you saw last night? They always shine brighter than I expect. I, you know, I just, I'm sending a note right now to the participants, reminding them that, you know, you made me proud, that I was way more nervous than you. It's like, you know, <laughs> when I take my daughters to their dance competitions, I'm the dad sitting yeah. on the nervous chair. Yeah. And so uh, they definitely made me proud. You know, I mean, my team made me proud in what they delivered. The um, entrepreneurs made me proud. Every, all the participants, I'm so lucky, made me look great at this event. And then afterwards, you know, bringing people out to a corporate event, you know, they won't even look you in the eye. It's like, I have plans. It's, it's a Wednesday night. You don't have plans. You should need to come out to this. <laughs> and then they come out, and then they're like, I'm sorry I didn't bring five more colleagues. Yeah, this is yeah. so great. This is fun. I forgot what human beings are like again. And <laughs> so no one, no one, you know, willingly goes, oh, I can't wait for this event. They're all like, oh, that's right. It's a corporate event, and how much fun will it be? Then they show up, and they're regretful they that they didn't make a bigger deal out of it. What would this community be like if Innovation Factory was not here, and you weren't making those connections? Yeah, it's both, right? One, I like to take credit for the work and the things we do with those companies. The really good ones are resilient. They would find their way. It's the middle ground ones or the ones that hit a bump that might have stopped them, right. right? And I know a lot of companies like, yeah, we ran into this hurdle and I just, to be frank, I ran out of steam. That's as much as I had. And we, and we see it a lot. So I like to think there's a few that we saved that we kept them going at the right time mm -hmm. where we helped them pivot and do something different. You know, I was, I was talking last night about a few companies that I didn't think would make it and they changed and they adapted and they, you know, were persevered and, and they were some of our big winners in the last 12 years. So, you know, I don't like to take credit for the entrepreneurs because that's the real hard job, but I know that if, you know, we help them eliminate a few speed bumps or make, make some network connections that just aren't in their Rolodex, right? They don't have that connection and we go, huh? Oh. Talk to my cousin Nate, who does this in distribution and can right. help you get into that market. That's that's some real differences for sure. How much easier is it to do that in person too? Like those sidebar conversations, right? Really allows yeah. you and enables you to, you know, have those discussions. Well, you feel more comfortable because yeah. you've seen this person perform. You make an introduction to a, a valued colleague of your own. You know, you're putting your own reputation on the line. Right. So now when people are there and you can see how they behave in public, you're more open to making those connections or you're, or you're making the right connections, right? You see the fit better. So, yeah, and it was just so overdue. We were all ready for it. <laughs> I think you're underselling yourself. I think I so, too. I think <laughs> Innovation Factory has been 
a tremendous resource. It's one thing to have an idea to do something. But I'd say most people go, oh, I could never do that. I wouldn't know where to start. But this is the resource that helps you right from the idea all the way through at every stage. And really having that confidence is is everything. And by networking with people, a, a quick story last night, two young ladies came up to me. I met them a year ago. They had an idea that they were promoting um, producing yoga accessories and just through I'm involved in yoga and so that's why we breathe and stretch (laughs) and move around before every class anyway they came up to me last night because they heard about innovation factory they're working with you now (laughs) they've got another product that I'm not going to say because you don't do that (laughs) and they were so buoyed by the energy there and seeing what other people have been able to do and I expect we might see them next year or the year before perhaps in a competition. Do you know who I'm talking uh, about? I don't know that one, but I, there was actually three of them last night that okay. were it kind of sat back yeah. and then they saw it and they're like, their we need, eyes to, we need to get out there. We actually got to get into this ring and, oh, yeah. and make ourselves available. I think you so, recruited a few last night well, for sure. I was saying, you know, we actually need to make our recruitments for tables and sponsorship happen last night. <laughs> Everybody's really excited and it's like, <laughs> all right, sign up now. Yeah, uh, in the glow. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, my hesitant to take all the credit is just because it takes a village. We've got a great village, sure. right? So, yeah. you know, a lot yes. of people giving up their time. I'm not giving time. it all yeah, to you. Exactly. Digital <laughs> icon digital over icon. there. Funny coined the term digital icon, which I'm adding to my business cards. And <laughs> secretly, all my staff are laughing and groaning right now. But um, no, I think I think it takes a village. I just want to I want to remind people because I need all those people to stay engaged and stay involved and yeah. not go. Yeah, they got funded by the government. We just just send them there, and uh, you know, hopefully things will take care. The whole city's. The city is what drove this. Mm-hmm. Right? What is the biggest opportunity going forward? Because there's always that next step, that next level that you can get to. Um, it depends on the company, but Hamilton as, as a community, life science is huge for us, yeah. right? And we saw during the pandemic how many things don't work, how, you know, just even booking a vaccine. So there's a whole, never mind the caregiver, the digital piece broke. Mm-hmm. And there's millions of those opportunities. One of the companies that I was sitting beside last night, took real advantage of COVID by taking advantage. They saw that people were gouging um, and they needed to provide supplies. So they pivoted their business to make sure that Canada got its fair share of supplies without gouging those partners. And they did great. They increased their revenue by hundreds of times. Um, and I had, you know, it was Mariner Endosurgery sitting beside the mayor. And I remember the mayor sort of looking over and go, how big are you guys? And you sort of quoted his revenue and the mayor's eyeballs popped out. <laughs> of it. like, how do I not know your company? It's like, well, this all happened when, you know, things were going south. Wow. So, so healthcare is huge. Um, the other thing is transportation, right? How we get people around. Yeah. And, you know, we always talk about the problems in our city and you know, whether that's LRT or bike lanes or all those things, it's, it's all of them. It's infrastructure. It's this future of autonomous vehicles or semi-autonomous vehicles. So every one of those big changes is an opportunity for a community to put their stamp on it and go, we're going to be leaders here. Because Silicon Valley was nothing in the early days of the computers. That was all Boston, East Coast. Yep. And then when the Internet came out, they were sort of like, well, we didn't, we didn't catch on to the big PC thing. Maybe this is our thing. And now what do we think of? We think of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Hamilton's got a chance at a bunch of those things if we just keep trying to capitalize on it. And I think this networking, just to build on what Dave said, is so important because of context. I think the companies, the ideas, the entrepreneurs that can pivot because things change and you have to react to what the people want out there. Mm -hmm. And needs and demand can change on a dime, as we saw with the pandemic. So I think having this network, this hub together, helps people stay connected and be aware of contextual changes 
challenges that yeah. are occurring at any given moment. Yeah, earlier Mike Marini was talking about the diversity of the city being very welcoming to that. Yes. And that's important. We actually have a whole division dedicated to uh, bringing in entrepreneurs from other countries who want to land in Hamilton. That's a huge opportunity. And again, you know, you look at Silicon Valley and Steve Jobs' parents weren't from the United States and there's all these entrepreneurs. Elon Musk was, you know, from Canada via South Africa. Mm-hmm. So Wasn't all- he your intern? <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to leave it there because we're out of time, but I appreciate your time. Uh, A wonderful gala last night, Uh, 16 amazing finalists, uh, three, the top three, including the winner, uh, with a great showing. Uh, Connie, Dave, thanks for uh, stopping by today, and uh, congratulations on a wonderful event last night. Thanks for having us. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.